Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today we hear from Kevin Whitehurst, Senior Vice President of Skilled Nursing Solutions for Matrix Care and his special guest. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Kevin Keith Whitehurst, Senior Vice President of Matrix Care, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. I'm here today with Amy Wooten, the Director of Nutrition Management at Matrix Care. We're going to be talking about nutrition therapy for diabetes management. So why don't we go ahead and get started, Amy. Nutrition therapy is such a great topic, and you chose to focus on diabetes this time. So can you tell our listeners why more than ever diabetes management is so important? Sure. Well, personally, diabetes plays a personal role for me. My husband is a diabetic. My parents are diabetics. And I started my career based on my grandmother being a diabetic. And she introduced me to a dietitian who was teaching her how to manage her diet. So that's really where it all began for me. And it makes me focus okay. on this topic often. But really, older people have higher rates of diabetes. In fact, more than a quarter of Americans over the age of 65 are diabetic. The prevalence of diabetes in long-term care setting is estimated to range from 25 to 34%, which is equal to or higher than trends seen in general population. Therefore, it's not surprising, right, that it's one of the most common diagnoses in older adults that require management in care communities. An older adult residing in long-term care facility may have unpredictable meal consumption, undernutrition, anorexia, impaired swallowing. It's attributed really to several age-related factors such as sarcopenia, organ failure, and an overall higher level of inflammation. The diagnosis is linked to not only additional disease burden, but also higher costs for caregivers. As recognized under the patient-driven payment model, SNFs or skilled nursing facilities, excuse me, are now able to offset these costs under the non-therapy ancillary comorbidities by receiving two points for an active diabetes diagnosis. Long-term care costs for people with diabetes were estimated at $19.6 billion back in 2012, and costs wow. haven't gone down. So managing and understanding what affects blood sugar level variances are key to not only allow staff to provide appropriate care, but for that financial stability in your living organizations. Wow, those are some really interesting statistics. So Amy, what do you recommend when it comes to a plan of care for a person diagnosed with diabetes? Sure. Treatment approaches specific to diabetic patients should include medication, exercise, education, lab monitoring, weight fluctuations, but it also should be mainly focused on nutrition needs as that is the essential part of this management and overall plan of care. Last February, for the first time, the American Diabetes Association issued detailed position statement on the diabetes care of elderly patients in long-term care facilities. Their guidance was glycemic goals need to be personalized, simplified treatment regimens, the diabetes diet is outdated and ineffective and should be dropped, and the use of sliding scale insulin is to be avoided. These guidelines urge healthcare practitioners to administer individual care for each patient when developing those treatment strategies to achieve that optimal glycemic control and meet dietary needs and prevent any future diabetes complications. Nutrition approaches can include snacking, food awareness, education, food from outside sources, all the meal consumption avenues that may happen so that problems can be managed. Really interesting. So I understand that there are risks that caregivers should know about 
Can you talk about some of the common factors that can lead to hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia? Sure, this is the tricky part. So impacts to blood sugar levels for hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia need to be understood by all of your staff members. This involves recurrent training and guidance in order to recognize the signs and symptoms of both. In that statement last year from the ADA on senior care for hypoglycemia, they said the risk for hypoglycemia is the most important factor in determining glycemic goals due to the catastrophic consequences in this population. The guidelines note that the strongest predictors of severe hypoglycemia instances are advanced age, recent hospitalization, and polypharmacy, which is pretty much the profile of a typical nursing home resident. Hypos present differently in elderly. Instead of the heart-pounding, sweaty, trembling lows that many nurses are used to, hypos in the elderly present with confusion, delirium, dizziness, with little or no physical signs until fainting. And we know falls are the leading cause of death from injury among seniors. And of course, a hypo is a good recipe for a fall in an elder. Hyperglycemia or elevated blood sugars can be caused by infection, stress, wound healing, certain drug interactions, and some diagnoses, as well as basic increased insulin resistance of our body. Leaving residents high is not the answer as it leads to dehydration and urinary incontinence. So finding that middle ground is important. To help residents be successful in management of diabetes, caregivers can provide blood glucose monitoring, medication management, individual scheduled meals and snacks. And since that sliding scale insulin regimens are no longer recommended, addressing and adjusting current medication regimens that are possibly carried over from the hospital setting are imperative. Caregivers like dietitians working with the population can help prevent hypoglycemia by offering patients appropriate nutrition education, as well as your team members as part of that care plan. And each of these strategies play a role in treating hyper or hypoglycemia. Thank you so much. And you covered a lot of areas. Can you recap some of the main areas of focus in diabetes management for our listeners? Sure. I'll just give a little more information about senior living environments. They're more often at the receiving end of care transitions. Upon admission, transition care documentation should include things like the current meal plan, their activity level, prior treatment regimens, lab tests like A1C, lipids, and renal function, hydration information, previous episodes of hypoglycemia. This will initiate a care plan process that will limit risk and help plan for proper diabetes management. Specific levels of lab values should be understood by the team. We should aim to keep hemoglobin A1C, which reflects the blood glucose status over a 90-day period, between 8 and 8.9 for our seniors. Fasting glucose or before-meal glucose should be 100 to 180, and bedtime glucose around 110 to 200, unless these levels still cause any kind of symptomatic-type concerns. And institutional-level challenges in the senior settings exist for diabetes management, and these include staff turnover and lack of familiarity with the resident and recognizing those symptoms, lack of knowledge about diabetes in general and diabetes management, restrictive diet orders, and just poor care plans. By having strategically put in care plans for diabetic residents, leaders can avoid these challenges, Kevin. That is such good information. Thank you so much, Amy. Can you tell our listeners about individualized meal planning and snacks? You brought that up earlier in the conversation, and I know it's a very important that they understand this in long-term care. 
Absolutely. Individual meal plans and snacks are imperative and recommended. Managing nutrition therapy is a key puzzle piece, right, to care communities serving those senior populations. Dietitians and dietary team members should develop individual meal plans for patients that include a wide variety of foods and beverages to avoid dehydration, of course, and unintentional weight loss versus issuing that strict calorie-restricted diabetic diet, so to speak. Meal plans tailored to an individual's culture, preference, and personal goals increases the quality of life, overall satisfaction with meals, and improved nutrition status. Specifically, care plans for nutrition should include things like individual meal plans to offer a wide variety of food and beverages. Honoring personal food preferences is a must. Providing dining options in regard to when they want to eat, where they want to eat, the type of meals they want to eat. Considering a general diet meal plan that incorporates the consistent carbohydrate mindset with a wide variety of food choices. A detailed preference-focused nutrition software like Meal Tracker can do just this. Individually planning residents' meals and snacks can be a critical piece of treatment plan for diabetics. Great information. So you used a term called liberalized diet in nutrition therapy, and you talked about using that more. Can you talk to our listeners about what that actually means? Sure. Adopting a nutrition therapy approach for a more liberalized diet is leading the change to better management in skilled nursing facilities and rehab centers. According to the ADA position statement that I referenced earlier, the care for diabetes in these facilities, more liberalized diets show improvements in consumption of food and beverages, which assists to avoid unintentional weight loss and dehydration. They give guidance to care settings that state, while carbohydrate intake should be taken into consideration, that no concentrated sweets or that no sugar diet order are ineffective for glycemic management, and they shouldn't be recommended. Instead, that consistent carbohydrate meal plan that allows for that more variety of food choices may be more beneficial for both nutrition needs and the glycemic control. Some care settings adapt that consistent carbohydrate diet plan for diabetics as a standing type order. The idea behind the CCHO or consistent carbohydrate diet is to monitor and program carbohydrate consumption for fewer spikes and dips throughout the day, even the week. In other words, the CCHO diet keeps the carbohydrate intake in the same throughout the entire day. And that assigns about 15 grams of carbohydrates, which equals one carb. We have um, best practice recommendations for liberalizing the meal plan for diabetics. And I kind of keep a rule of thumb of five, include three to five servings of carbs per meal. And remember that 15 grams is equivalent to one. Choose whole grains and they include more fiber, which slows that absorption and stabilizes blood sugar. Eat four to six ounces of protein. Include healthy fats and limit that saturated fats and avoid trans fat, which is processed or baked goods usually found. These basic rules will help you build a foundation for a healthy, consistent carb diet plan. Wow, that's really useful information. Thank you so much for that shared a lot of valuable insight into the diabetes management. Is there any more information you want to share for skilled nursing and rehab care centers before we close out? Absolutely. It's very important that an interprofessional team is in place to manage this care and end the nutrition piece because the dietitian and the food managers can't do it by themselves. This includes embracing the dietary manager, registered dietitian as part of that team and helping them make the meal plan that's best for your resident population. These experts now have nutrition software solutions that provide them the tools needed. 
Meal Tracker allows you to build your diabetic consistent carb menu that fits your individual culture at your facility and can easily be customized for that individual need of the residents and preferences, reaching that goal to a specific individualized meal plan, as mentioned earlier. Meal Trackers also helps you find the exact carb count of food items when building your menu through an integration with the latest USDA Food Data Central. And that helps you find the exact food item that you're serving at your facility for that detailed nutrient analysis and define those carbohydrates. The staggering number of residents in our senior living population with diabetes requires advanced software to better manage both clinically with that care plan and meal planning. So look to Matrix Care Meal Tracker to really help you. You know, and we have hundreds and hundreds of providers who have already done that. You know, no wonder Meal Tracker is so popular with providers. So we want to thank everyone for joining us today. We're at the um, bottom half of the hour and really great topic, nutrition therapy for diabetes management with Meal Tracker. So I also want to thank you again, Amy Wooten, for that wealth of information. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you for having me once again, Kevin concludes the latest episode of the post-acute point of view from matrix care we have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss so be sure to subscribe if you've enjoyed today's podcast and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss leave us a review to learn more about matrix care and our solutions and services visit matrixcare.com you can also follow us on linkedin twitter and facebook thank you for listening be well and we'll see you next time